0: Hi, I'm Josh Van Burkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. How's everybody doing? You doing well? Doing okay? What a weird time uh, to be alive. So I'm supposed to be this morning. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, if you're a guest here this morning, my name's Josh, and I'm pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to like, it's all right, I brought my own encouragement. Do you do you ever have a week and you're just like, man, that week was words you can't say in church? You've like, what a what a week, oh my gosh. Um, and so what I did is I, I I bought a bumper sticker to put on my car that says honk if you think I'm sexy, and then every time I want to feel good about myself, I just don't go at a green light. <laughs> Stupid pastor joke. Um... So I've just had I've had this week, and so uh, I I just love coming down here and seeing all your friendly people and your smiley faces, and it's cool. It, it lifts my spirit. Uh, and so I'm supposed to be talking about intimacy this morning because we've been doing a, a series on intimacy, except it got kind of hijacked by this thing called lockdown. And so this is our first Sunday like all together one service for six weeks, and. Uh, It feels weird to just kind of carry on like nothing's happened. And so what I want to do this morning is just park that. And let me just say that intimacy with Jesus is so critical and essential to our walk that it's really a theme that's going to just be woven into everything that we talk about moving forward. So even when we're talking about obedience and what that looks like, it's going to be rooted and founded in an intimacy with Jesus. And I don't think you can really take any topic that you talk about in church, no matter how abstract it might seem, without having some kind of level of intimacy requirement in there. So intimacy is something that you're not going to go home and just go, well, remember that time we talked about intimacy for three months in 2021, and then never mentioned it again? Like, it's going to be in everything. It just might not be so overt as like, hey, we're talking about intimacy right now. But what I want to do this morning is I want to just bring a word that I feel is really specific to that church, not just this church, although it is, but that church uh, in this season, and this is just something that God was talking to me about yesterday afternoon when I was like, "Please God, give me something to talk about uh, and then even even this morning and so what we 're going to do is we 're just going to look at a Bible passage and i 'm going to make some observations, and then maybe i 'll give you an application at the end, and maybe give you a chance to have a chat with the people around you around what we 've talked about and that kind of stuff, depending on how we go for time. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to be talking out of Matthew chapter 14, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. Just to mix things up, and so Matthew chapter 14, we're going to pick it up in verse 22. If you've got your Bibles, you'll see at the top it says Jesus walks on water. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. But just to set the scene very quickly, because it's verse 22, what else has happened in this chapter is that Jesus and his disciples have had a really great day. They went up on the hillside, thousands of people came out to see them and Jesus preached and he did miracles and there were healings and then at the end they realised that there wasn't enough food to feed everybody. And so they got five loaves of bread and two fish. And then Jesus prayed over the five loaves of bread and two fish. And then the disciples went out and they were instrumental in activating a miracle that fed thousands and thousands and thousands of people. The Bible says 5,000 men plus women plus children. We're talking thousands and thousands of people fed with five loaves of bread and two fish because Jesus supernaturally multiplied the food and the disciples were right there in the midst of it handing the food out. It was a great day. I bet you they didn't have to struggle talking about Jesus or talking about their church experience that day. And so that's just happened. They picked up 12 basketfuls of bread at the end. They are absolutely fizzing. What a great day to be alive. What a great day to be a disciple of Jesus. This is what you'd call in the church world, a mountaintop experience. Anyone ever had something like that? Or you just go home like, that was the freaking best church service I've ever been at. In my life. I know you guys do it every Sunday. but So you're just thinking, I thought everyone was like that all the time. No, it's not like that. Verse 22, it says this. Immediately after this, so all this stuff's just happened, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. Geography lesson. The lake that they're talking about is referred to by multiple names in the Bible, which is just stupid and confusing, but it is. It's called the Sea of Galilee. It's called the Sea of Tiberius. It's called Lake Gennesaret. It's called Lake Galilee. It's got lots of different names. It's one body of water. It's what you need to know. If you've never seen a picture of it, which you probably haven't, because why would you have seen a picture of Lake Gennesaret? But if you haven't, it kind of looks like the continent of Africa Like that kind of, now we're pulling on your geographical knowledge, continent of Africa, right? Okay, you're just thinking, I thought there was a country. No, it's a continent, Africa. It kind of looks like that, but it's not as big, right? The continent of Africa is not jammed into the Middle East. What are you laughing at? (laughs) Liz is sitting there going, I know that you haven't prepared this message. Um, And so this lake, it is are approximately 21 kilometers long from north to south, about 11 kilometers wide from east to west or or west to east. And so Jesus and his disciples are on the western side and they are going to go across to the eastern side. So we're talking about 11 kilometers and I'm not a rowing expert, but based on the research that I did yesterday, it should have taken them about two hours to row from one side to the other. Okay, put a pin in that, remember that, two hours. And these guys are professional uh, fishermen. They're professional watermen. I'm just trying to avoid saying seamen, all right? They're, they're professional watermen that they work on the water. They fish. They're used to being on the water for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours every day. A two-hour row across the lake is no big thing. So Jesus says to them, jump on the boat and row across to the other side of the lake that's the deal after sending them home he's talking about people now he being jesus went up into the hills by himself to pray and night fell while he was there alone meanwhile the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. About what time? Uh, Scary. Is it a test? What time? About three o'clock in the morning. right? How long should it have taken them to get from one side to the other? Two hours. All right, you guys getting the hang of it. So what time did Jesus send them on their way? Well, we can tell by reading in the Bible that it was a lot earlier. Because step one, Jesus insists that his disciples get into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. And there's nothing in the text to indicate that they were anything other than immediately obedient. They were probably like, heck yeah, we've got 12 basketfuls of food. Let's take that on the boat as well. Hoe into that? We've got enough food to feed us for a week. They would have hopped on the boat. They would have been laughing and talking. Like, can you, like just imagine for a moment. One of the things I love to do when I read stories, particularly gospel stories, is to just imagine that I was there. Imagine you were one of the 12 guys that were walking around feeding, you're pulling fish after fish, you know there's like a fish head in your bag and that's it, because Peter got the tail and Andrew got the middle bit, you got a fish head, that's it, but you keep pulling out whole fish, like you're flipping David Copperfield, you're just walking around pulling fish, this is amazing, bread and stuff, they would have hopped on the boat and just their minds would have been just gagging. So I reckon they did exactly what they were told. They hopped in the boat and away they went. Step one, Jesus tells the disciples to go. Step two, he sends the people home. Step three, he goes up into the hills by himself to pray. Step four, night fell while he was there alone. So we know that Jesus sent the disciples away before night fell. That's logical, right? Now, I don't know what time the Bible meant when it says night fell, but I think it's safe to assume that it probably meant Like the sun had gone down. Like it was night time. Like when I say to Harrison, time for bed. He says, why? I say, because it's night time. It's dark outside. Look at it. It's going to be much harder now because of stupid daylight saving. (laughs) It's like, go to bed. Dad, it's broad daylight. I know, but stupid, you know. I don't know if you've picked up on this. I hate daylight saving." Like, I love the end of it. I love staying up late, but I hate being a parent in daylight savings. When you're a single or a young couple, daylight savings awesome. Then you have kids and it sucks. <laughs> so he sends them be away before nightfall. So let's just say, I don't know, like nightfall's like what? Six o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock? Let's just give them the benefit of the doubt and say it was summertime. And, and the Bible's a bit generous with its timing. Let's say it was nine o'clock. So if they left at nine o'clock, And they're still in the boat at three o'clock in the morning. How long have they been on the water? Six hours. How long should it have taken them? Two Two hours. Good. So we're now saying that they've been in the water rowing for like three times longer than they should have been. And in other translations, it says they were still a long way from land. So they're not even close to getting where they're supposed to be. Observation, have you ever felt, man, I am working my butt off, I am trying and trying and trying, and I thought I would be there by now. Have you ever felt like that? I thought I'd be further along than I am. This was only supposed to take so much time. Why am I not there yet? Why am I still struggling with this thing? Why is this addiction still an issue? Why haven't I seen victory in this place? Why hasn't this dream come to pass? I thought I would be there by now. Have you ever felt like that? I felt like that. What I want to do now is I want I want to just put each of us in that boat. Can you imagine what it would have been like in that boat in that moment? They had just had the greatest day of their life. It was awesome. Jesus says, hop on the boat, go to the other side. We've done it a 1,000 times before. That's no problem. They hop in, and then the storm comes out of nowhere. And again, I did my research, and the Sea of Galilee is known for this just because of its geographical location. There's hills around. It's at the bottom of a valley. There's a bit of an opening, and the wind would just come in and just whip that thing up. But the storm would develop on the other side of the mountain, so you couldn't see it. So you couldn't get up and go, well, there's a storm coming in about three or four hours. This is going to be a mess. It would just bang, hit. You didn't know. So this is very common. They just had a great day and now everything's fallen apart. I reckon in that boat, it would have been confusing. I think it would have been, uh, you know, a lot of anxiety in that boat. I bet you there was arguing in that boat. I bet you there was division in that boat. I bet you some people said, we should go back. Like We've been battling for six hours to get somewhere that should have only taken two hours. We're not making much headway. Let's just turn around and go back. We'll try again another day. Other people would have said, no, Jesus said for us to keep going. We should should keep going. I bet there was a lot of different opinions, a lot of different views, a lot of different ideas around what the right way forward was. Does that sound familiar in this current season? I don't think, in, in my memory at least, in my living memory, I can't think of a time where it has, there's been so much confusion around. And I don't know whether it's because I'm a pastor and pastors just are magnets to freaking drama. <laughs> but I'm like, oh my gosh. So much stuff going on. It's like It's like someone has taken the planet, like it's a snow globe, and just shaking it, and now there's all this stuff flying around. Does it feel like that to you? Like, there's just all this stuff flying around. There's opinions and views, and people are getting angry about stuff, and unfriending people, and what about this, and what about that, and there's this, and there's that, and I don't want to get into the specifics of any particular Line. I'm just saying there's stuff flying around. And you know when you shake your snow globe and then all that stuff's flying around, it's supposed to be beautiful and snowy and things, but you look at it and sometimes you can't even see what was in the middle because of all the stuff that's flying around. It's a bit like that. So I think in this boat, it would feel a lot like how we're feeling now. Just a lot of uncertainty, a lot of I don't know what to do, a lot of what's this gonna look like. And so I just thought, why don't we look at how Jesus handled the situation and see if there's any application for how he would handle this. What, what What is the word of God to us in this season? It says this in verse 25. So there about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. And in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. So, The disciples did not recognize Jesus in their situation because he came in a way that they had no frame of reference for. In their wildest dreams, they never thought in the middle of the lake, just keep an eye out for Jesus. He might be surfing the waves right now. Like they were still on their journey to believing that he was even the son of God because later on he kind of, Spoke to the winds, and they go, Man, this guy's crazy. Like, who, how can you do this? So, they weren't thinking, Oh, this guy that we've been following around, who's flesh and blood, yes, he's fully God, but he's also flesh and blood. If you cut him, he bleeds. If you nail him to a cross, he dies. They never thought he's going to just come walking on water because that's impossible. Where did they think they would meet Jesus next? On the other side of the shore. I don't know if they'd had a conversation with him when he said, hey, you guys hop on the boat and I'll meet you there. If they were like, well, what are you gonna like run all the way around the lake? Like, that's dumb. Are you gonna get in another boat and come over? Oh, well, it's Jesus. You know, he'll have some kind of plan. He doesn't tell us what he's doing half the time anyway. So they just hopped and They thought they were meeting him there. Yeah, I wonder, as I read this this morning, I thought, I wonder if there's an application here for us. I see a lot of Christians... Campaigning, arguing, protesting, and what they're trying to get is church to look and sound and feel like it did before. We used to be able to meet with no limit on numbers in one building. We need to campaign and fight and protest so that we can do exactly the same thing that we were doing before. And I wonder if we're making the same mistake that the disciples made. They went, Hey, we had this amazing experience with Jesus, it was awesome. And it all happened on the side of the lake. And now we're moving through this mess, through this storm to get to the other side of the lake. And then when we get there, it's going to look and feel and sound just like our last awesome experience. And that's where we'll meet Jesus again. And because they were so focused on this is what what our experience with Jesus looks like. They missed him walking right into the middle of their storm. They didn't recognize him because they weren't expecting him to show up when he showed up. And I just wonder, and I'm still fleshing this out, so don't hold me to it, but I just wonder if Jesus is trying to show up in the middle of our storm and we're so focused on things looking exactly like they looked last time that we're missing it. And that's a word not just for this church, but for the whole church, Is it possible that Jesus is showing up in a way that we didn't expect, that we've never seen him show up before, that we have no frame of reference for and we're blinded to it because we're so focused on it looking like it looked yesterday? Another observation I would make too is, I think there's an application here for us personally. The disciples had this mindset that we have to get through this by ourselves. Once we get through the storm, then we'll meet Jesus. And I think that the world is filled with people who have the same mindset. Once I get my life cleaned up, then I can meet Jesus. Once I get all the sin in my life sorted, then God can use me. Once I get all of my issues taken care of, then I'll volunteer to help at church. Once I get myself through this mess, then I'll meet Jesus on the other side. I'd be too much of a hypocrite right now if I put my hand up and said I want to serve Jesus because I've got all this crap in my life. I'll get myself through the storm and then when the storm has passed and everything's settled and it looks the way I want it to look, then I'll meet Jesus. And that's not how Jesus operates. Jesus shows up in the middle of the mess. And I want to look and we'll finish here I want to look at the words that Jesus spoke to them in this season. I think these disciples are in a boat. They're in a situation just like we are. They're responding just the way that we're responding. And it says this in verse 27, and this is God's word for you this morning. I don't say that lightly. Verse 27, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. And I just want to say to anybody this morning, I appreciate that we're in a season where there's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of uncertainty, there's a lot of confusion, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of suspicion, there is a heck of a lot of judgment, so much judgment being passed on other people's views, judging other people's opinions, judging other people's character, judging other people's uh, motivations, so much judgment. So anti biblical. Stop it. Stop judging other people because of what they think about different issues. We are so much bigger and better than that. Stop it. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. I'll get the band to jump up. As I make this last point, those of you that have heard the story before will know what happens next. Peter says to Jesus, hey, Jesus, if it's you, then tell me to get out of the boat, which I've never understood. That's a dumb thing to say. It just doesn't make sense to me because I'm like, well, if it wasn't Jesus, he could still just say, get out of the boat. That's like someone coming in with a gun and, and saying, I'm Jesus. And me saying, well, if you're Jesus, then shoot me and I won't die. Well, anyone could. This doesn't make sense to me. Sorry, it got sidetracked. I've just Every time I read it, I think, I don't understand where Peter's coming from. But of course, Jesus says to him, that's a great idea. Get out of the boat. And Peter gets out of the boat. And those of you that know the story will know what happens next, right? He's walking towards Jesus. He's, he's a walking miracle. He's walking on the water. He's the first fully human person with no divinity inside him to walk on water. As far as we know, he's the last one. I haven't there's no other accounts in the Bible. Maybe other people have done it, I'm sure, possibly. Have you ever done it, Andrew? Walked on water? Not recently? Okay. Just chicken. I thought it'd be walking if I made a bold statement like no one else has done it, and someone's sitting in the room going, <laughs> I've done it. All right. It'd be cool. And so Peter starts walking towards him. And what happens next? The Bible says that when he saw the wind, he saw the waves, he started to sink. And if you've been in church for more than five minutes, you've heard somebody preach a message like this and make this point, which is that when you take your eyes off Jesus, that's when things start to go pear-shaped. And I feel like I've said this so many times, particularly during last lockdown, I just felt like a broken record, but I felt very strongly that God said to me, because I was like, God, how do I lead people through this? How do I lead people through this? And This was last lockdown, and this lockdown, exponentially worse. The, the, just the stuff that's flying around in the atmosphere, and a lot of it's spiritual, but a lot of it's just people being dumb on both sides, so much stuff going on. I was like, how do I lead people through this? And the safest thing that I could come up with was that as long as I just have a single message, which is stay focused on Jesus, then I'm pretty sure I'm okay. Just stay focused on Jesus. Don't make the mistake that Peter made, which was to take his eyes off Jesus and look at the storm. Yes, we're in a storm. Yes, there is stuff flying around all over the place. Yes, there's uncertainty and doubt and confusion. And yes, there are people in your world that you're probably scratching your head at going, where are they coming from? Who's got someone in their world right now that you kind of feel has gone a little bit OTT on some of this stuff, right? Who's, like a lot of people. And if you don't have your hand up, it's because you're that person. so much weird stuff going on right i'm just i'm just hitting you with some truth this morning okay put your eyes on jesus the author and perfecter of our faith he's faithful to finish what he started let him lead you let him direct you i have people saying to me josh what are you doing about the vaccine to get the vaccine, you're not gonna get the vaccine. I thought, you know what? I should probably do some research into this. So I started researching vaccine. I found some stuff. I thought, oh, I didn't know that. And then I found some, oh, I didn't know that either. And then God said to me really clearly, He said, What are you doing? I said, Well, I need to find out what I'm supposed to do here. He said, Listen, mate. Listen, mate. He said, If you if you want to Google vaccine side effects, then you will find a million pieces of information to tell you that it's the mark of the beast, don't touch it. If you get injected with it, you'll die. Because that's how information works. That's how the internet works. He said, or you can Google proof the vaccine is safe and you'll get a million pieces of information that'll tell you it's totally fine and you should totally do it. The truth is, Josh, he said, as you seek, you will find. Who's heard that Bible verse before? Seek and you shall find. Very often... If you're prepared to be honest with yourself, you can tell what you're looking for by what you are finding. He said, if you want to go down this path, you'll find everything you need to justify that course of action. And if you want to go down this path, you'll find everything you need to justify that course of action. But ultimately, whatever decision you make will be made in your head. It'll be an intellectual decision because you've filled it with information. He said, "I don't want you to make an intellectual decision. I want you to make a spiritual decision out of relationship with me." I said, "Well, what does that look like?" He said, "Just ask me what to do." <laughs> I thought, "You're a smart God. You know And you've just saved me hours of research. So you, know, I'm always a fan of the quick thing. So I have made a decision based on what I believe God is asking me to do. You need to make a decision based on what you believe God is asking you to do. Don't make it based on what your neighbour told you. Don't make it based on what some blog said. Don't make it based on what your GP says. Like, by all means, don't be stupid about it. Like, you you know, take on board information. This is This is the only time I'm going to talk about this. This is the only time. Make a decision based on what you believe God is asking you to do and then don't judge your neighbour because they have made the same decision you have made, which is to do what they believe God's asked them to do. Okay? You say, well, what are you doing, Josh? It's none of your business what I'm doing. If you really think it's your business, then come and talk to me and I'll tell you because it's not a secret. I just don't want to make it political statement from the front about it. Are we good? What did Jesus say? He said, Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. He's in the middle of the storm. Don't look for Him on the shore of the lake down the line once the storm has passed. He's in it right now. And maybe, just maybe, He looks different and he's coming from a different place because he wants to do something different in this season. And he doesn't want tomorrow to look just like yesterday looked. Is that cool? All right. Why don't we stand? I'm gonna pray for you. It's gonna be powerful because I've got a new jacket on. from here then oh, I've missed preaching in church it's been good you might not have noticed it but the the online stuff wasn't done from here it was actually in my bedroom you probably didn't pick it up but the fairy lights weren't even the same fairy lights no way mind, mind blown 30 Thanks, buddy. Glad you're here. Alright. In all honesty, if there is ever anything that you want to talk about that you need clarification on, if you're somebody says, look, this is actually, I just I need to understand where you're at with this, what your thoughts are on this. Come see me. Just come see me. Buy me lunch. I'll do anything if you buy me lunch. <laughs> yeah doesn't even need to be flash, Wendy's, McDonald's, be like, whatever's fine. And if you're here this morning and you wanna understand more about this guy, Jesus, this guy that walks on water, this guy that multiplies bread and fish, this guy that completely turned our world upside down. And here we are 2000 years later, gathered in a room to worship Him and talk about Him and ask Him about what He thinks we should be doing in this season. If you want to know more about Him, then come see me. I'd love to tell you about Him. He's amazing. I'm just scratching the surface of how good He truly is. Alright, let's close our eyes. Focus in on Him. Heavenly Father, we thank You for You. You. Lord, I thank you that you are with us in this storm, that we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be anxious about anything. We can just bring our cares to you, Father. We can lay them at your feet, God. I thank you that in this season, you haven't abandoned us, that you are walking on water. Lord, you are supernaturally invading our circumstances. Lord, open our eyes to recognize you, in the midst of the storm I thank you God that you come and journey with us in the middle of our mess so Father we just acknowledge that we're in a season where there are more unanswered questions than there are answered questions we acknowledge that we're in a season where there are so many things about which we just don't know what to do next but you do So God, as a church, again, we just commit to following your leading, to going after your presence, to putting you first. Lord, I pray for every single person here that no sound would be louder than the sound of your voice. No sense would be greater than the sense of your presence. That nothing would take up their vision except you. Lord, lead us into a reality that represents and reflects your kingdom, not this kingdom. God, teach us how to be disciples of Jesus in every area of our life. Lord, teach us how to be the light in the darkness, and that as things get darker, Our light will shine brighter. And I thank you, Father, that there is nothing happening that is taking you by surprise. There is nothing happening that you don't have a plan for and a response for and a redemption outcome for. And we thank you, Father, that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and a sound mind. And I just declare over every single person here this morning power and sound mind Lord I just declare and release your protection over our minds over our bodies and over our spirits Lord give us discernment to recognize truth and to recognize you in Jesus name I pray Amen Well, God bless you and keep you. May His face shine upon you. Have a great rest of your Sunday. If you're not part of our email list, then make sure you sign up because in this season, we're constantly having to adapt uh, and shift how we do things. I'm hoping that as we are now, which is a limit of 100, it's just gonna sit at this level for a wee while, but look, you just never know. Someone pops up with a cough in Nelson and all of a sudden we're back to 50, who knows what's going to go on. My point is that if you're not in touch with our communication channels, then you're not going to be kept up to date with what's happening. So make sure you're a part of that. Uh, Make sure that you're a part of our Activate Online Facebook group as well. If you feel comfortable to do so, invite someone around for lunch, go hang out with someone, be a blessing to them, encourage them, support them. Have a great week. All right, God bless you.